Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from the Rogers Center in Toronto. It's the Toronto Blue Jays 2, the Cleveland Guardians 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And well, yeah, win streaks have to end. They do. They That's the nature of winning streaks. They eventually always come to an end. And the Guardians short uh, winning streak does come to an end here. And uh, you know what? It was a tough baseball game. It was a really hard... Didn't it feel like a playoff game? Didn't it feel the way everybody was giving max effort out there? Uh, you got outfielders you know, sliding for balls. You got infielders making great throws. It, it just felt like a playoff game. Every moment kind of had that tension to it. That tension where, you know, one thing could just tip the balance, you know, the scales of momentum in your favor. And it would be the deciding factor in this game. So uh, let's get into it. Let's get into the top storylines of this game. First, I just want to say, uh, you know, we've got an all five-star reviews on the show. It's been a while since I mentioned it. I try not to beat you over the head with it every day. But if you are enjoying the show, please help it grow by leaving a rating and review on whatever app you are listening on, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. It's still the number one spot for people to listen to this show. Uh, help the show grow by letting people know what it's all about and how much we love baseball here on Cleveland Baseball Mornings. Like I said, we are an all-five-star reviewed podcast, which is awesome, which you guys, you morning people have been fantastic. Uh, but yeah, feel free to leave a review of the show. It really does help the algorithms and helps other people other Guardians fans find the show. So uh, again, uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you're listening on, because I know other apps do reviews as well. So it would really help the show, and we re- I really appreciate it here on Cleveland Baseball Mornings. All right, let's get into the storylines of this game. And, uh, you know, we got to talk about McKenzie's pitching because he was good. He was really good, but two bad fastballs. Uh, the home run ball. Uh, gets him again, right? It feels like the home run ball keeps getting McKenzie throughout the season. This is solo home runs, which normally, in a normal game, honestly, six and two-thirds innings pitched, only gave up five hits, two earned runs on two solo home runs. He does give up two walks, only records three strikeouts on 101 pitches. He is hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, which is a lot but obviously limits the damage here, right? Has some good bat bip luck because he only gives up five hits in the entire game. But the two solo home runs would prove to be the difference in this game. And the Toronto Blue Jays are a team that'll hit a home run. They're seventh in all of baseball with 145 home runs. Uh, You know, I saw some interesting stuff about the playoffs You know, obviously, we're gearing up towards playoff races here. By the way, your Guardians are 29th in all of baseball with 89 home runs. That's it, 89. It's a big, big difference. Uh, Just to put things in perspective, the Yankees are first with 192. Uh, So over 100 more home runs than your Cleveland Guardians have hit. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things that was talking about the strength of Cleveland's pitching in the playoffs, you know, being an advantage but giving up home runs, it was something like the team that hit more home runs in a playoff series had like a 
uh, our yeah 675 winning percentage in playoff games. So basically, if you want to win in the playoffs, you got to out-homer the other team uh, was kind of the point of this stat in this article. And, uh, I mean, they did it to us on this day. If this were a playoff game, that stat would hold true, right? Two solo home runs, and uh, they're able to win the game over us. Uh, yeah, everybody was just kind of pitching on the edge. Obviously, they have to go deep into their bullpen. McKenzie runs the most of the game for us. De Los Santos comes in for four outs uh, and does a good job out of the bullpen. But, yeah, McKenzie gives it up on two fastballs. And, frankly, he was aggressive all day with the fastball. Uh, he was dropping. Uh, he was being aggressive with the slider on the glove side of the plate, going north to south with the slider. And then letting that curveball work down and away at the bottom of the zone. But really aggressive with that fastball. And they did hit it hard. They did. They put 12 of his fastballs. He threw it 53 times. Only had a 10% whiff rate. Did get nine called strikes in there. Uh, but uh, they put 12 in play and they were hitting it hard. An average exit velocity off the fastball of 98.3. So, yeah. McKenzie was giving up some hard stuff. I mean, including... Both of the home runs come on the fastball, and both of them to lead off innings. Uh, Matt Chapman uh, gets things going. He leads off, I believe it was the fifth inning. Yes, the fifth and the seventh. He leads off the fifth inning and uh, is aggressive in his at-bat, fouls off a forcing fastball to start the at-bat, uh, throws him a curve down in a way that he lays off, throws him another curve in the zone that he fouls off, so, doing a good job at changing speeds, comes back with another four-seam fastball. I think mainly was set up down and away with this one, and it comes up and away. It comes up, it's above the belt, uh, it's out over the plate, and Chapman, a very good home run hitter. Uh, I know he struggled towards the end in Oakland, but Chapman is a very good home run hitter. 23 home runs now on the season, and he hits this thing 107.2 miles per hour. 418 feet, pretty much no doubt about it, uh, into left center field. So, yeah, a fastball that's just kind of up, uh, you know, above the belt, out over the plate, a real hittable fastball on something that was probably supposed to be down at the knees, trying to hit that outside corner, and he leaves it up for Chapman. All right. I mean, in a normal situation, if the Guardians offense had been able to get anything else together, this wouldn't be that big of a problem. But then uh, Tescar Hernandez comes up to lead off the seventh. This pitch sequencing is, gets even worse. Uh, it's a four-seam fastball right down the pipe for a called strike. Another four-seam fastball right down the pipe that he fouls off. And then another four-seam fastball. This one, again, probably was supposed to be a little bit down. I think it was actually supposed to be away. And uh, it comes back in on Tescar Hernandez. It's at the belt. It's on the inside edge of the plate. So he does get it inside on him, but he's able to turn on it. Hits it 107.5 miles per hour, 419 feet to center field for the, the go-ahead home run to take the lead over the Guardians. And I don't know why. I don't know why they called for, you know, three fastballs in a row against Tescar Hernandez. I mean, he's the cleanup hitter. Uh, for them, I don't know if something in the scouting report said he couldn't handle fastballs. You would think once you get to 0-2 uh, on him, and especially the fact that you got away with some fastballs 
uh, right down the pipe, you would think that they would try to get away from that. I mean, 11, this guy's hit 11 home runs now on fastballs. He, he's a 298 hitter against fastballs. He slugs 556 off of fastballs. He has a whiff rate on breaking balls and off-speed pitches in the 40s. Why didn't they go to the slider or the curve? When you're 0-2, drop that curve on him. Drop the hammer. Why were they messing around with another fastball? I mean, that's, that's the reason we I like looking at pitch sequencing because it tells a story within the at-bat. And the storyline that's telling me here is for some reason, you know, uh, you know, whether it's Maley calling these fastballs, whether it's coming from the dugout, whether McKenzie shook off an off-speed pitch, I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened here, but I can tell you, I don't know exactly what set this up. I don't know the decision-making that went into it, but I can tell you what happened. He threw him three fastballs down the middle in a row at the belt, and the third one he hit for a home run. So, man, I'd love to see a curveball in that situation 0-2 from Tristan McKenzie. So, I mean, that's the storyline of McKenzie's day. Uh, he God, he was on a day when he really pitched well. He really pitched well. He couldn't get much run support. Obviously, he only gets the one run. Uh, he was working ahead for the most part. Uh, how many guys start out 1-0? Uh, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. So, of the... Of the 23 batters he faced, only seven start 1-0. That's really good. That's really good being aggressive. Uh, he does let a few guys get to... He gets two guys get to 3-0 on him. So a few guys he falls behind. But for the most part, looking at his count breakdown, he's working down the left side of this pie chart here. Uh, he's working down the left side, staying ahead of batters. So yeah, it was a good day for Tristan McKenzie. Just two bad pitches. All right, that's what was going on on the pitching side of things. And frankly, that's what was going on for the Blue Jays' offense. Um, you know, I mean, they did have six – we both teams had six base hits. Uh, they were hitting the ball hard, but some really good defense. I know there was a really hard shot from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who, by the way, keeps his hit streak going with another double in this one. Uh, there was a really hard shot that Jimenez was able to snag at second base. There was a hard shot by Bichette where they were able to turn a double play – uh, to get out of an inning. So there were some really hard-hit balls from the Blue Jays, but their offense really doesn't have much to show for it on the day. If McKenzie got any kind of run support here, he probably comes up with the W in this one. All right, so moving on, the other storyline in this game was just there were moments. There were just clutch moments, playoff-type moments throughout this game, and the first one is Jimenez, I mean, leading off the game. Uh, in the first inning, it's the only time the Guardians cross home plate. Uh, Quan leads things off with a walk. Naylor, with a two-out walk, sets up Andres Jimenez, who, frankly, has just been absolutely fantastic with runners in scoring position. How good has he been with runners in scoring position, Davey? Well, I will tell you, because over on Fangraphs, we could break it down by split. And in all of baseball, with a minimum of 50 plate appearances, in all of baseball... Andres Jimenez is sixth in batting average with runners in scoring position at 368. Sixth in all of baseball. Tyler Stevenson from Cincinnati actually leads this. He's hitting 412 uh, in 60 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. Um, Michael Harris, the second in Atlanta, the rookie, 
Uh, in only 54 plate appearances, is hitting 392. Jose Iglesias in Colorado, 391. Luis Arise in Cincinnati, uh, in Cincinnati, in Minnesota, 375. And Freddie Freeman of the Dodgers at 370. And then you get Andres Jimenez in sixth. Just above Aaron Judge. That's right. Jimenez is doing better than Judge when it comes to hitting with runners in scoring position, at least as far as batting average goes. The other guardian on this on the top 30 is Jose Ramirez comes in at 21 on this list at 337. Now, if you want to break it down by OPS uh, on base plus slugging percentage, Ramirez actually jumps. Uh, he's slugging pretty well uh, with runners in scoring position. He actually jumps to 1.162 OPS with runners in scoring position on this season, sixth best in all of baseball. Jazz Chisholm. Uh, junior from Miami leads this. The second baseman leads this category, followed by Aaron Judge. Jimenez comes in seventh when it comes to OPS with runners in scoring position. And Josh Naylor makes an appearance on this list at 30th. In This is in all of baseball. And then finally, WRC plus, weighted runs created plus. One of the big metrics here on fan graphs that people love to point out. Are you creating runs, right? That's the important thing. And again, Jazz Chisholm, uh, from uh, Miami leads this at a 232 WRC plus. Remember, plus stats, league average is set to 100. So that means he's 132% better than league average. Andres Jimenez comes in in fourth in all of baseball in this category at a 221 WRC plus with runners in scoring position. Jose Ramirez comes in eighth at 206. And again, Josh Naylor comes in at 30th with a 167 WRC+. plus, Very respectable from Naylor, but that shows you how good Andres Jimenez has been on this season. I'm better than Ramirez in some of these categories here with runners in scoring position. By the way, not a small sample size. 100, 100 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. So he gets it done here uh, on an 0-2 count, by the way. On an 0-2 count, takes it back up the middle. Um... Let me get back and t- let's take a look at the at-bat here. Let me reset my settings here and let's take a look at the at-bat. And what happens here? He stays away the entire at-bat. He's able to drop a curveball at the top of the zone. I, I doubt that's where he was aiming that curveball, but he's able to get one in at the top of the zone away on the outside edge of the plate for a called strike one. Then throws him a forcing fastball up in the same spot, top corner of the zone away, and he fouls it off. Then comes back with another fastball on the outside edge. Uh, I don't exactly remember where the catcher was set up for this one, but he stays away on that outside edge for all three pitches. And finally, he's able to shoot one back up the middle at 101.3 miles per hour, right up the middle into center field. And it brings Quan around to score. So a big moment there in the first inning. There were some defensive moments throughout this game. Uh, Jones was able to make a sliding catch. In right field. Charging in on the ball. He makes a really nice slide. Frankly, Jones' defense. They keep putting Oscar Gonzalez out there as a defensive replacement late in games. Frankly, I think Jones' defense has been better in right field. I, You know, uh, Manning says something like, oh, what a great sliding catch for a guy that doesn't play a lot of right field or something like that. Uh, or doesn't have a lot of experience in right field. Uh, I think... Nolan Jones has proven that he is a right fielder. He is good out there defensively in right field. I I like what I've seen so far and want to see more of him out there. 
Uh, I think he does a better job of tracking the ball than Oscar Gonzalez does. And they both have cannons of arms. So I don't think you're losing anything there as far as the arm goes. Uh, I know that's why they like Oscar Gonzalez out there in right field. He has a rocket of an arm. Uh, then, like I said, Andres Jimenez makes that great stop on the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, Tapia made some made some good defensive plays for the Blue Jays. He does steal one from Rosario in the first inning, makes a diving catch going into right center field, and then he steals one from Jose Ramirez. Ramirez thought he had an RBI hit in the fifth inning. It's really one of the next opportunities for the Guardians to score uh, in that fifth inning. Uh, Luke Maley with a leadoff single to kick things off. Ahmed Rosario with a two-out single to keep it going. And then uh, Jose Ramirez flies out to deep center field. Tapia just makes a great running catch a few steps in front of the wall. It had a it was a 100.2 mile-per-hour exit velocity, 394 to dead center field. It had a 500 expected batting average, but Tapia is able to run it down. So some good outfield defense. And then in the bottom of the seventh, I mean, what a defensive play from Andres Jimenez in the bottom of the seventh inning. Uh, after Tezcar Hernandez hits the go-ahead home run, uh, Tapia would double with two outs in that seventh inning. Santiago Espinal would come up. He would hit what would be considered a single. He hits one in the gap, uh, deep in the hole, and... Um, I don't know exactly where Jimenez was lined up, but he was playing very deep in the hole to begin with. So he kind of basically goes out into right field, and he's able to run down this ball, doesn't let it get by him. He's able to stab it with the glove, doesn't have to leave his feet. So Espinal is safe at first with a single, but Tapia, I mean, the center fielder thinks, I'm going to score. I'm going to score an insurance run here. Makes the run for home. Jimenez with some good footwork. I loved the footwork on this play. He takes about two or three choppy steps and he's able to get his hips around and he's able to see the plate. A lot of times guys spin and throw wildly, right? They spin without locking onto their target. He locks onto the target. I don't know how much he was able to get on that throw. Uh, He does kind of, it takes one or two hops, but he's able to basically throw a strike for Luke Maley to get the tag down, and he misses Tapia's arm, but he's able to get him on the hip before Tapia's hand can get on the plate. It's an amazing defensive play from Andres Jimenez. It's a great tag by Luke Maley. It's a hell of an attempt by Tapia. I, you know, when they put the highlight out on Twitter, I commented that like every this is it was a playoff play. It was absolutely a playoff type play. It's the kind of thing you see in October because. Everyone in that play is giving 100%. Whether it's Espinal trying to shoot one into the gap for a base hit and bring a run home, Jimenez ranging all the way to his left to grab it, snag it, spin, lock on, you know, set his sights on home plate, get his target, make as strong a throw as he possibly can, still falling to his left uh, for... uh, for uh, Maley to get that ball and get the tag down as fast as he can. And Tapia gave everything he had reaching for that plate. I mean, literally everyone in this play is giving 100%. And the Guardians get it. They win it. They win the play. It's a, you know, I mean, by a fraction of an inch, he gets that tag down before Tapia's hand hits that plate. So an amazing defensive play from Andres Jimenez in this one. And they, 
they get them. I mean, ugh, man, they win the play, they win the battle, but they lose the war. Obviously, they lose the game. Uh, but what a defensive play in that seventh inning. All right, the eighth inning, we had a chance. Oh, man, in the eighth and ninth inning, we have a chance. We get our guy on. We just cannot bring him around to score. Again, playoff-type baseball. Naylor is able to get a two-out double uh, off of the Blue Jays reliever. By the way, the Blue Jays bullpen has been very good. But Yimi Garcia uh, gets the first two outs, gets Ahmed Rosario to strike out, gets a ground out from Ramirez. He's making the Guardians hitters look bad, and then Naylor delivers a double, uh, and that would set up Andres Jimenez, so they would go to the closer, Romano. Romano didn't want any part of Jimenez. He stays away from Jimenez. Uh, in this at-bat, throws him a bunch of sliders away uh, and just stays off the plate and ends up walking him on five pitches. Uh, And then that would bring up Oscar Gonzalez, who frankly has a decent at-bat. I mean, we came came so close. This, this, This was the key to the game here. It's one foul ball. It's one four-seam fastball. So he starts him off with a slider uh, that he takes, or he swings at, down at the knees, down at the thighs, really, on the middle of the plate, swings through it for strike one, throws him another slider in the exact same location, middle of the plate, at the thighs, and he fouls it off. All right, so he's throwing him two sliders down. I like the pitch sequencing. Goes up with a fastball, but he's on it. He's ready for a 98.5-mile-per-hour fastball. Oh, he just was a slightly behind it. He fouls this thing off. He rockets it down the right field line. And, you know, i got to give Gonzalez credit because I said I look like on a spray chart he was still a bit of a pull hitter, but he really has been going opposite field a lot lately, and he's changed my opinion. He definitely has. This, this game is the stats, as the numbers keep coming in, as the data keeps coming in, you got to change your opinion sometimes. And I don't see Gonzalez as a straight pull hitter anymore. I definitely see his value uh, being able to go to the opposite field. And I thought he got it. We all thought he got it on this foul ball. I think this was the moment of the game where we could have won. We could have won this game if this ball makes it down the right field line. Instead, it just hits the corner where the seats jut out and the netting there. Uh, it just, uh, man, it was just a few inches foul. Man, if he could have got just ahead of this ball just slightly more. Ah, oh, man, if it were a 98-mile-per-hour fastball, not a 98.5-mile-per-hour fastball, Maybe it stays fair, and uh, the Guardians tie the game up. Instead, it's good pitch sequencing. He comes back with another slider down and in at the knees, and Gonzalez swings through it um, to strike out to end the eighth inning. And then Romano uh, in the ninth inning. Benson uh, pinch hitting for the catcher position. Does a good job of getting on base. He chops one over the pitcher's head. It tips off the glove. He's able to beat it out. Uh, so we get a guy on, and it brings up Stephen. Well, it brings up Miles Straw, who frankly takes a pretty lazy swing on a uh, a four seam fastball up at the letters, a uh, hittable pitch, and he lines out at eighty four point eight miles per hour to center field. Man, Straw just continues to give you not much from that ninth spot in the lineup. It's disappointing. I, I really do want to see Benson get more at-bats in center field as this season goes on. I know they feel like they owe Straw something. They owe him at-bats. They still want Straw to work his way out of this because he is a fine defensive center fielder. But, man, oh, this at-bat here in the ninth inning, it just 
didn't seem like there was anything on this swing, and that would bring up Quan. And Romanos, trying to stay away, throws him a slider on the plate for a called strike. Then everything else is away. Throws him a high fastball away for ball one. One, one count. Throws him a slider at the belt on the outside edge that he fouls off. Throws him another pitch in pretty much the same spot. Both of these pitches are just slightly off the plate. He fouls one off, and then he decides the next one is a little too far off the plate. He's going to even up the count at 2-2. No. Instead, the home plate umpire calls strike three to end the game. And Quan was right. Quan was 100% right. This pitch was not a strike. Live, it wasn't a strike. Looking back on it now on StatCast, it wasn't a strike. It was even an inch or two off the plate from that third pitch of the at-bat, the other slider they fouled off. It was a little bit further outside. So he, in most situations, was right to take this pitch. But with two outs in the ninth inning, down in the count one and two, there is something to you have to protect. There is. I'm sorry. Quan has a fantastic eye, and he was right about this pitch. He was right. But sometimes you got to protect that strike zone. you got to protect your at-bat. And, and you leave it in the umpire's hands. You're at the mercy of whether that umpire is having a wide strike zone or not that day. Or whether that umpire is ready to get into the clubhouse and have his dinner. Right? I mean, ah, this umpire, ah, he misses the call. He absolutely misses the call. But... Quan put it in his hands, right? By not taking the bat off his shoulder, he put it in the umpire's hands, and it's the final strike of the game. So we go down. That's how the game ends. Uh, it, was, it was exciting. It was ex- for a two to one baseball game with six hits per each side. It was an exciting game. And unfortunately, we come out on the losing end of it. So the win streak is snapped. Now, however, the other streak that's still alive is we have not lost a series since the All-Star break, and we have a chance to keep that alive. We can win this Sunday matchup. It's going to be a tough one. It's a 1 o'clock game here in Cleveland, a 137 game here in Cleveland. Uh, I know a lot of you listen around the world, so uh, you know wherever you are, uh, hopefully you're able to watch this one because it's going to be a heck of a matchup. Bieber against Gosman, they matched up earlier in the season, and uh, Gosman has been pitched, pitched very well against us in that one. Uh, Bieber struggled. That was one of his worst starts of the year. It was the first half of a doubleheader. So, uh, yeah, it's a, a right-handed pitcher, Gosman. I want to see. Our, they better keep Jones in there. Get Benson back into the starting lineup. Keep the lefties in there. Is he going to figure out a way to get Tyler Freeman into this lineup? You know, is someone going to DH? Is, is Jimenez or Rosario or Ramirez going to DH so that Freeman gets more at-bats and gets in this game? He seems to be doing that with the third game of every series. So I'm expecting Freeman probably finds his way into this lineup. But get me Benson back in there. Keep Jones in there. Figure out a way to get Gonzalez in there too. I'm like I want to see these guys continue to hit and continue to get opportunities. So keep those lefties in there. Uh, and uh, we don't need to see Owen Miller. It's It's okay. We keep Josh Naylor in there. We don't need to see Owen Miller uh, in this finale. I want to see these guys. I want to see our lefties get one more shot at it and see if they can win this series over the Blue Jays. So the first game of this series, you know, the Guardians offense explodes. The second game of the series, it's a much tighter game. We'll see what happens in the finale today. I'm excited about it. It's been a fun series. It really feels like we can go toe-to-toe 
with the Blue Jays in a playoff series if we had to. Uh, so MVP on the day, definitely giving it to Andres Jimenez for let alone the two defensive plays that were fantastic. But also, he's on base all four times in this game. He doesn't even have to get hit by the pitch to do it. He's got two hits. He takes two walks. He's got the lone RBI in the game. Uh, he's on base all four times in this game. So a fantastic game all the way around from Andres Jimenez. Another clutch hit with runners in scoring position. So he gets MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me again on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final, it's the Blue Jays 2, your Guardians 1. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. Let me know your thoughts on Tristan McKenzie giving up home runs or how clutch Andres Jimenez has been, and we'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>